Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, hello, hello. Before we start anything, welcome to Tales with TR, by the way. I am TR, the host, Terry Ryan. Listen, pigskin fans, the moment you've all been waiting for this season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. Yes, you heard me right. $55 million. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes, enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. How about that? Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who'll score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Whoa. There you go. Yeah, so DraftKings jumped on board with uh, my... my uh, program and uh, the hockey podcast network which has tens of great programs you should check us out check them out 
<clears throat> if you haven't expanded beyond my podcast. And uh, listen, it's uh, there's a lot, a lot to talk about. Um, and the guest I have today, uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted it. Uh, so I'll get into that first, I guess. Uh, actually, just uh, just before we start, you know, speaking of pigskin, and uh, thanks DraftKings, by the way. Um, I can't believe Tom Brady is is in the in the Super Bowl. And uh, like I said, I, I I never was a huge New England fan, uh, or now Tampa. But the, the more this guy does, the most impre- the more impressed. Well, I am. That's an understatement. The world should be at least the sporting world. And, you know, I think he's got to be mentioned in the top athletes of all time. And you know, I'm not a huge, 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 huge football fan. Like I said, even some of the rules, I don't know, but I try to pay attention to who's the greatest. And I, this Mahomes guy's coming now. And for what he's done at his age and the stats that he gets and, you know, listening to the experts, it seems that, I mean, he, he would have a chance, right? At some point, to be the greatest ever. That's a stretch because he's young, but I mean, I don't know, two, two Super Bowls appearances or three now, is it? One Super Bowl, an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP. I think he's only 25 or 26. Um, but Brady's got six Super Bowls with New England. Now he left there, and I know Tampa were kind of stacked, the Buccaneer, but, but whatever. There's 30-odd teams. I think 32, isn't there? Teams in the NFL. So, I mean, you can stack it however you want it. The odds are you're not going to make the final. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. Now he's back in the final with a new team at 43 years old. COVID, I mean, football is huge for, for a guy like Tom Brady who's, or any quarterback. But, I mean, you could argue any position, but quarterback, you really got to get to know your players and your receivers. You got you to you get to know the plays with everybody. And, you, you know, it's a very much game of unity as most team sports are but this is just amazing how he's doing and, and you know not only that the COVID with, without being able to you know communicate with, with before the air it, it was a new team it wasn't just like he couldn't communicate with his teammates that he played with before most of them I mean I know Gronkowski there, there there's a couple there Antonio Brown, I think, that play with him in, in New England, but I don't think even think they were there at the beginning of the year. Um, uh, could could be slightly wrong on some of these stats, but I, I think I'm I think I got the grasp of it. At Aaron, in, in what he beat on the way there, Drew Brees. This could be his last year. I mean, he's a legend with New Orleans. I think he has one or two, maybe one Super Bowl, but I mean. You know, so it's like a legacy game when they when they played New Orleans and he beat Breeze and they were tied in the end, right? They were tied. Someone has to come out on top. It's not like Brady was smoking them all game. It's not even like he played unbelievable. But when it counted, he had when he had to do it, he did it again. And he's consistently done that. Then to beat Aaron Rodgers, who had an MVP year, is playing unbelievable. And it's a legacy game for him, too. And it's a home game for Rodgers. Argue what you want about the end of the game and the call the coach made. And I kind of, I don't think it's irrelevant, but I mean, Rodgers had the whole game. You, you know, and I, and I know technically that a lot of people say, I don't know all the stats, but I know a lot of people say that 
Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. Right. But right from day one, I think Brady went the sixth or seventh round or something like it's, it's, it's just amazing to me. And they beat him and now they're going in and I got to just my take on it, just my take. But if he beats Mahomes in this, in this game, I don't think there's a chance that Mahomes could ever be better. If you talk about career, what's he going to get more than seven? And if he does, when they went head to head, the 43 year old beat the 25 year old. Now they might get smoked. And if they do, I don't think it tarnishes Brady much. It really at all. It doesn't tarnish him at all. He's got everything to gain. Not really much to lose unless they get smoked or some kind of scandal comes out or some shit like that. Deflate, deflate gate, whatever it was. In any case, like I said, I'm an outsider looking in. I try to follow all sports. I got a program here. You know, I try to do that um, in the last few years, especially. And I don't like to ramble on about other sports on here too much. Um, but football and basketball, I got to be honest, I've really paid a lot of, of, of more attention to lately, as, uh, especially during COVID. There's not as much to do. I'm not playing senior hockey or ball hockey or any of that. Uh, so from the perspective of spending time with my daughter and learning, uh, you know, a good deal about other sports, I always watched them. I used to bet on them, but whatever used to, <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, like, I'm really, I'm really starting to follow, like, and I'm watching old NFL games, uh, and, um, you know, from 20, 30 years ago, I, I want to see what the deal is with Joe Montana and Dan Marino and these guys. And I like the history of it. I still don't love the sport. I don't know if I'd love playing it. Um, it's intriguing to me for a lot of reasons. I like to always be on the good. So it, it, there's a thinking, there's a strategy. I get the betting. I, I think it's brilliantly done. People say it's the roughest sport. I, I don't even think it's close. It's 16 games a year. Give me anything. I'll go to a Mexican prison and step on nails in a knife fight 16 times as opposed to play 82 regular season hockey games with, with fast, you, you're skating faster than you're running. You're getting hit. There's boards, right? Football, you run out of bounds. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he could have ran it to the one or the two before the coach made that idiotic decision to go for the field goal instead of the touchdown. But I mean, you know, you know, you, you, football, you can do that. You can either run out of bounds, you can take a knee and it's all over hockey. You can't keep going. You can, you know, you're, you're, you're skating. You, you see a big D coming. Shea Weber's coming at you. Zidane Ochera, whoever doesn't have to be a D Alex Ovechkin, one of the best scorers of all time, arguably the best goal scorer. Arguably, and I didn't put him there, but there's definitely an argument, and I just might when it's all said and done. But in any case, he's a truck. He's like 6'4", 235. You're going. You can't run out of bounds, man. You get smoked into the boards. You got a weapon in your hand. You're allowed to drop. shouldn't say you're allowed to because it's a penalty, but you drop your gloves, you fight. It's kind of a part of the game more than it is in football. In any case... Is it rough? Yeah. Certain positions, you're getting smoked. You're going from zero to 100, and then boom. Just saying overall, I don't think so. I think it's brilliant the way they got it done, though, with the Sunday game, right? Sunday, Monday, one a week. So, you know, you, it's great for gambling, and you get together, and you got a day of it. It makes Sunday awesome. I got to be honest. I'm not into it too much, but I love throwing on the game on Sunday, uh, maybe making a pro-line bet or going down to Blue on Water or TJ's Pub with my buddies. Um, 
taking it in. I'll definitely be watching this weekend. I love the storylines. Point is, I'm fucking amazed at Tom Brady. I really, really am amazed. And uh, it's it's been uh, whoever's around my age. I'm 44, just turned it the other day. Uh, we've had a privilege to see some great athletes, man. We saw like Jordan, Tiger Woods, um, LeBron, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mary Lemieux. Oh God, now Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, pretty much all the great, a lot of the breeze, a lot of the great quarterbacks more than not. So I love seeing these great athletes, right? Um, even people like Maradona were a bit Diego Maradona, God rest his soul. I know he was a troubled man. Um, and there was some controversy surrounding him, but he died recently and was an unbelievable soccer player. But that was a little bit before me. Bobby Orr, a little bit before me. Well, a lot before me, I guess. <clears throat> so Maradona, I was, Orr was before me. He retired before I was alive, I think. Uh, the year of, maybe. Uh, Maradona was part of my childhood in the sense that the World Cup mid-'80s, uh, he put on some heroics for Argentina. I always knew the story, but I didn't really get into Maradona and his highlights or anything. And, and it wasn't a thing; like there was no YouTube or anything like that. So unless you caught caught it on Sports Center, which wasn't really a thing either, until I was well, I, I was into my double digits. It, it, you know, if you were in my childhood, you know, in my in my real childhood years, pre junior high kind of thing. Um, just at the very, maybe when I was in like grade seven or eight, maybe much music and, and, and TSN came in maybe. And, and they were, now you could like turn on and watch like sports or music, but, but you know, you still had to wait. And, and that's recent history up until even like 12 years ago, you, you didn't really have all this on demand stuff. Um, you could go out and rent a movie or whatever. You could, I could wait. That's why a lot of people ask me about the, uh, Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em videos because I still get them at Christmas. Um, but th those were huge because you could just keep watching these highlights over and over. Again, just picture with no, those, those who are younger than me, picture with no YouTube or, or no internet or nothing like that. So we relied on the VHS tapes and watching actual TV. You know, like Seinfeld was my favorite comedy. It, it came on at Thursday nights at 8.30. So you had to kind of wait, plan for it, go grab a snack, whatever you're going to do, right? Popcorn, whatever I really would. I, I think a lot of us would. You just forget that. I was talking with my buddy, uh, Steve Tilly, the other day, having some beers over Christmas. I'm like, you know, do you remember those days? He's like, yeah, like it really wasn't that long ago. Now everything's on demand, right? I can anything. You want a movie, a, a clip, or, you know, I'm explaining these Hockey situations, like in most things, I'm, I'm talking with a guy and he's, oh, Terry, how did the Jomi fight go? Uh, you know, well, it was 20 odd years ago, but here it is where you just bring it up. Um, talking with the other day uh, at TJ's about Deadwood, one of my favorite um, TV shows of all time. The Deadwood movie just came out. And anyway, we were down to the bar and setting up for Friday night at TJ's. It was two weeks ago. And um, that's it. My buddy just brought it up. And while he watched the movie, while we were, I mean, all you need is a bit of Wi-Fi. You don't even really need that. It wasn't always like that. And when it came to highlights and everything, it was just, used to love watching them. You know, um, 
it, now you can bring up top 10. I was explaining Pavel Bure to one of my uh, hockey teammates the other day, explaining. I mean, you heard of Pavel Bure, but, you know, I, I still play seniors. Dude, Mark Rideout, it was Mark, Mark's late 20s maybe, and obviously had known about Pavel Bure. I mean, we, we, people hear about him, but now you can just, I can go, oh, watch his top 10, boom. Pavel Bure, uh, top 10, you know, who's, produced five years ago you can just bring it up at any point and that's great we couldn't always do that and so i but you remember it more because it was so special so i remember sitting around the tv say when uh certain things and now i don't really remember it, it, there's so much at, at my fingertips or our fingertips like I remember, say, a few years ago when Bill Kessel was at his last year with the Leafs when they blew the 3-1 lead in the third against Boston. Boston went on to win the Cup. Um, and, you know, that was game seven or whatever. Like, I remember, I don't really remember where I was or anything, but it happened, again, because things are so on, much on demand. But, like, I remember one thing not a lot of people talk about. Gretzky gets traded to Edmonton or to, to L.A. from Edmonton back in 88. And, yes, the Oilers did... Like two years later, I think they won the cup and people say, well, they had the last laugh. Well, some people do. And I don't know if it was the last laugh. They were stacked. They traded Gretzky the, or the, the Kings weren't. But the very next season, that was 1990, I think. In 19, er, the Oilers won it. In 1989, the year after Gretzky got traded, Calgary won the cup. And what happened with Calgary, um, they beat L.A. Um, in the conference final. Because L.A. had beaten Edmonton. Edmonton were up three games to one. Messier was the captain at that point. They just traded Gretzky, and Gretzky had come back and scored an 802nd goal and all that shit in Edmonton. Still a big affinity there for him. But Gretzky and the Kings came back from three to one down to win in game seven. Gretzky had, oh, man, it was nuts. It was like 10 points in the final two games or something like that. He ripped it. But I remember that. I remember sitting there with my dad and my mom was, was making a bite to eat. My uncle Howard was over. I remember we were having ravioli. I swear to you, I remember it vividly like that. Lots of the John Slaney goal, big for Canada Junior, 91. I was at Stephen, 92, I guess. I was at Stephen Kwan's house, my buddy on my team. His dad, Sid, God rest his soul. Um, Whitley Drive with Jeremy Charles, shag carpet. We had some nachos. Slaney scored and nearly choked. It was almost over before it began. I really mean it. I nearly choked. I remember those things. Mario Lemieux going shelf in 87. What a goal at my place with Jeremy Charles. We were watching it. Couldn't believe it. I remember jumping around the living room that is still there that doesn't look that much different at my parents' house on Park Avenue. Those are such great memories, um, but it was an event. You you had to kind of, you could all get together. You had to all kind of time it. You didn't have to all get together, but that's often what happened. Uh, and now, you know, even when something like this year, the World Juniors are happening, and, and we got Alex Newhook and, and Doss Mercer from Newfoundland, um, of course, you always, everybody wants to be watching it, right? But you tend to, you know, turn on the highlights. It's just so easy. We were, I was late. Um, where did we watch that? We were going down to TJ's, I believe. And anyway, we were late. So my buddy just brought it up on his phone. It's just so easily accessible today. Which is a good thing, mind you, which is a good thing. I'm merely pointing out um, some positives 
about being a little less modern and technological than we are today. But uh, I'm not trying to be that old guy that says everything was better in the 80s. Most people tend to do that. It was always better when they grew up. Well, there's, there is a lot of shitty, sh shitty shit. There is a lot of bullshit that, uh, you know, that goes along with social media and, and, and in my, in my mind, uh, speaking of it's bell, like let's talk day, by the way, uh, depression, a lot of that, uh, anxiety, it, it, it creates, you know, chasing a like or, uh, you know, watching how many people watch your stories and shit. I mean, sounds like the I'm being a hypocrite, but I, I really don't care. I put I put stuff out there on Instagram. I, I don't be looking at how many likes I get and stuff. Um, be, you know, I'm promoting stuff, and and not only that, I get three things. There's three reasons. Like I'm I'm promoting a brand, I guess, that would be all in one. Like you know, I sell books, I have a podcast, and I'm I'm, I'm Acting here and there, and and, and those they, the shows that were commercials that go along with that, and then you know TJ's Pub where I also work. So I'm promoting all those things. Now amongst that, there's also friends and family that I like posting things for. So I, I guess that's my stance. I, I I often and this is true. One sec, I can answer my phone. Okay, uh, I just had to take a bit of a break, and I'm sorry about that. A few minutes have elapsed, and I can't remember where I was. But uh, anyway, my guest, God, before I get there, I got to say one more thing, because it's Bell Lecht's talk day, and I was going to say something about that. Um, I, do, I, I don't want to harp on it too much. Mental health's important and everything. <clears throat> but, you know, and speaking of social media, it's almost turned into be the other way around. Like these type of days say like bell, that's talk day. It's become almost stressful for me the other way as having a platform. Um, it's like now people, whenever something happens, I'll get a few messages. Again, most of these people aren't really, I mean, they might follow me on my podcast and stuff and they're, it's great. There's communication, but I, I don't know them. When I say people are messaging me, you know, I, that's the other thing about my Instagram. It's, it's tough to keep track because I've got friends and family that I actually am posting things for them to see more often, well, sometimes, and, and a lot of messages. So, like, if, if one of my buddies messages me, it often gets lost in the, I don't want to say fan mail to make myself sound like some sort of fucking F-less celebrity, but that kind of thing. And again, I, I can't keep track. Some some people, you know, I, I try, man. I try to accommodate, but it's tough to agree to do every podcast because there's so many. It's tough to answer every message because some people message me and say like, hey, what do you think of the uh, Patrick Line trade? And I'm like, man, I barely got enough time to talk about it now, let alone type out a message like in the middle of Thursday when I got 1,700 of them there. And a lot of people are looking for books or, or, or that some people want me to, you know, do some public event or whatever it is. So it's, it's tough to keep them all in line. So I find social media stressful. 
like really stressful. Like the, the, a lot of the reason for my anxiety and sometimes depression, I get anxiety almost every fucking day. That's part of my life. Whenever major, you know, yeah, the depression isn't, is never too far away. I mean, I, again, I think that's part of being human though. I, I really do. So if, if you're listening to this and you've got some problems mentally uh, or physically, I suppose, but the, those mentally more than anything, um, you know, you, you, talking is, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's just the best therapy. It goes without saying. And I used to be the, under the impression um, that, you know, if you talk to a therapist, like they don't really want to talk to me, I'm just paying them money to, or, you know, whatever you're in Canada. That's the other thing. A lot of times, you know, it's covered under insurance or whatever, you, you know, you look into that shit. You know, I've, I've, I won't be specific, but you know, I still once in a while talk to people here and there and, um, that I've come across in my life that I've worked with sports psychologists, uh, plural. Um, when I was in Mon, I had some at Memorial University. I had some faced a lot of adversity and uh, went to see a gent in there. I won't mention his name, but you know these are good people to talk to. And yeah, they're paid to do it, but you know because they're professionals, and they'll often you know with me. I, I didn't want that treatment of like you know sit back on the couch and like try to dissect my mind like i was almost like fuck you you know you know they they usually you know these people are trained they'll and if nothing else you know the one dude was just like look you know you want to do this maybe talk here it always ends up with me spending more time with my friends or family or whatever it is so it's often indirect but you know anyway the point is reach out but i find i find it it's getting really frustrating and it, it there's a pressure with it. Um, I don't know. Let's say who re- like people die, right? And and famous people die, and 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 it's unfortunate, but that's a part of life, and no one keeps living. So every day, someone. So like you know, you got to go. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think, who recently? Hank Aaron. So Hank Aaron, one of, and there's another unbelievable, what an unbelievable story too. Hank Aaron, if you don't know, look into it. He passed away the other day for uh, a type, face a lot of, beat, beat Babe, Babe Ruth's record, 715 home runs. I think he ended up with 755 or 56. Black guy doing it, uh, playing for Milwaukee, I believe, when he did it. Um, and, you know, a lot of people didn't want it, want it to happen if, if obviously there's racism in the world racism in the world now turn on the tv but back then it was the further back you go i think the worse it worse it would, would would be i don't think that's a secret so you know he's coming up in the 50s and 60s and you know did it in the seven early 70s you know that's a huge thing but anyway so he passed away the other day and there's the biggest stat with hank aaron that i find absolutely amazing is he's got the most bases of all time so it's 90 feet base to base, right? So, you know, a single, double, triple home run. So he has the most bases of all time. And second is Stan Musial. And if you put it in distance, so like say if he beat Musial by two bases, it would be 90 feet plus 90 feet, 180 feet, right? So all time. He beat Musial by 12 miles. 12 miles more of bases. 
That's how good Hank Aaron was. And when we talk about the best ball players of all time, his name often doesn't even come up. Can you imagine if he was a Yankee like DiMaggio or Mantle or Gehrig or one of them? Anyway, um, anyway, but he died and people are like, how come you didn't put a post up? And it almost starts to be, oh, man, like because I've got a lot to do in my day. Like, it's hard to juggle it. I get up. I'm like, OK, I got to go down to TJ's. I got to open it up. I got to do the float. I got to do the numbers from the night before. Then I go get their supplies, whatever they need. Right. Then that's my TJ's morning. Sometimes spills over into the afternoon. Then I've always got people ordering books. So I have to go, you know, and I have to take their order, take their money, tick it off, go get the envelopes, make sure, boom, 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 here it is, sent in the mail, tick off. Um, Then I tick it off the list, but that process, and I do it every few days because people are ordering. If I did it every time someone ordered a book, I'd I'd drive myself mad. But at the end of every week, basically, you know, and I put together the orders, boom, put them in the mail. And that's, so that's another part of my afternoon. Then I have this podcast, which I've largely neglected. It's not going to keep happening though. I want to put one out a week at least. Well, that's Jesus. I've been so inconsistent. Let's say that I want to put out one a week, not at least though. Um, and you know, then you got to line up guests. And if you always have to do homework, no matter how good of a buddy they are, you know, I still have to do a little bit of homework and see what they're up to now. What it went, Again, I haven't even gotten to my guest today, who's awesome. But there's that, right? And then I got my acting and I got my film stuff and my writing. So I'm working on another book for September. So I have to get all that in order every day. And then I got to go to uh, do video auditions um, for, from everything from, you know, basically think of it. If you, if, if you think of it with a typical kind of audition and a lot of they aren't typical auditions aren't what you see on TV type of thing all the time. Um, but in any case, I work on that part of it because it's part of my livelihood. Then I have to work on these public appearances. I, like I said, my work's sporadic. I don't do anything nine to five. So I really got to keep hustling. Um, and when there's no planes on the go and everything, those are pretty much non-existent, but they do exist. I do some virtual stuff. This memo thing um, has been catching on. So I've been doing that stuff, right? Then everybody there, and I, you know, a lot of people ask me to be on their podcasts and I've said it before and I really appreciate that you do. But a lot of these people are just like, everybody has a podcast now. If I said, so I literally have said yes to everybody. You know how many I got in line? 27. I have 27 podcasts here. And some of them, God, God love you guys. God love you. But if you got five followers, then I know what you're doing. You're starting it out of your basement and definitely I'll help. But don't be offended when I do like Hockey Central first because I'm trying to sell books and everything as well. So there's that. And you wouldn't believe that. That's hours out of every day organizing that because I get a lot of requests um, and I, I like being approachable. But sometimes that burns you. So I'm often like, like mom will call me like, do you want some supper? I'll bite her head off. I told you I'm working right now. And then I'll come home. I'll be like, I got to breathe. I got all this on the go, right? All this. And then look down and see like some troll sending me some message. Oh, you only played eight games. You, but there's that to deal with. And you think you're ugh, and you're just like, oh, fuck. Like it, it's work for me to open my social media. So I got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram base. Is there anything? I, I, my daughter and I do TikTok, but I, I spend virtually no time. She does all of that shit. Uh, she directs it. That's a bit of fun. I don't mind that at all. But, you know, between the Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, 
it, it it's it's i find it work i gotta go okay whew, whew, open it up check messages right and and, and then so if, if I feel like obligated every time something happens, Hank Aaron dies. Oh, now I got to go out. I got to copy this, paste this, take this picture, take this picture with Ted Williams and say that he used to know him hey, and then do this and then make 10 for Instagram. And, you know, and then everybody's going to comment on it and I got to get back to them. And it's fucking madness. So the very like this whole social media, the bell, let's talk thing today. And I really respect it. And every year I put something out, I probably will before I go to bed, but I find it work and it adds to my social or my anxiety more well, like way more than anything. But if I don't, people will say, oh, you didn't put out anything for Bell. Let's talk. You must be callous. Right. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I don't want to say it, but, you know, put it this way. I volunteer. I make it count in person. Um. I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, getting shit on for, or, or you know, I'll tell you something. Another thing. Um, <laughs> point is, yeah, I'm, there, you hear that? That's lashing out. That's social media. It's Bell Let's Talk Day. Not everybody that has uh, mental health issues is going around and can't speak or remember what happened four minutes ago. Right, right there, what you just heard, that's a bit of a rant. That doesn't come from a happy place, right? It doesn't. So take from that what you will. I, I, I might not do anything for Bell that's talk today because I feel pressured to do so. Now I'm sitting here to do it. Do I got to do an interview. I'm taking my daughter to theater. I love doing that. I'm doing all those things that I just mentioned. And then hopefully, maybe, just maybe, at 10 p.m. tonight, I can go on the PS4 and play a game of golf or hockey with my buddies. That's the way it, I live for the last hour or two of the day. Contrary to my, might as well be honest as I'm going, contrary to my posts, I guess I'm a polarizing figure. I'm speaking vague or indirectly to a lot of people that send me these bullshit messages. But yeah, contrary to a lot of your beliefs, I'm not boozing every night. You know how many nights I've been loaded in January? One. But you'd never know it by looking at my Instagram, do you? No, exactly. Because lots of times it's fucking fake. You fools. Whoever it is shitting on me. You drink a lot. You should have a mask on. When you, do you think that this is good to promote? Lots of kids are, are following you and you're promoting drinking. Yeah, I run a fucking bar. You know? Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not down there. I work in the place. I often go down. I do a post. If I don't want to drink that night, I don't drink. I do. I might chug a beer even. As you're looking at me, do the Instagram post. Then the glass goes down. The weed comes out. I open a book. I have my, uh, my computer. Do some decorating. Play some tunes. I'm not saying I'm not social. But, you know, I've had, oh, over 100 if I've had one just since the summer, like literally send me a message and complain. Relatives too, complain. Oh, Terry, you're doing too much drinking. You're doing. Do you think you should have this person on your podcast? They were. They had a DUI in 1999. Do you think? Yeah. You know what? Just leave me the fuck alone. I'll do it the way I'm gonna do it. Um. You know it. It. Fuck. So many people want control or want to complain. 
Oh, man. <laughs> I've been rambling on about it for 45 minutes. Anyway, I am going to talk now about my guest. I'm sorry about that. And I will put out something for Bell Let's Talk. It just gets really frustrating every day. And I, I don't want to get specific. I don't want to burn people. But you wouldn't believe some of the messages I get. You wouldn't. Um, so my guest, this is interesting. When I played, when I went out west... Uh, when I was 14, uh, anybody listening to this right now must know the story. I've talked about it over and over again um, on most episodes at some point. And I'm sorry to do that, but it, most of my guests, you know, they're, I, I like to have friends or, or at least close acquaintances. David Lomanowicz, my guest here, is not really my friend, but he was an opponent in a big way. For those Spokane chiefs, Tri-City Americans days, uh, well, they're still going, but Spokane and Tri-City are in the same division of the same conference of the Western Hockey League. And they're in America, you know, so we had a lot in common. Dave was from Vancouver, is from Vancouver, um, and played in Spokane. That was our arch rival. We, I think one year we played them like 24 times because we went seven games in the playoffs, and then we played them like four or five exhibition, and on the year we played them 16 or something like that anyway. So it, it was... Um, that added up to uh, more than 24. But in any case, it was something like that. Well, we'll talk about it. Now, I guessed it on Up My Hockey, which is Jason Podolan's podcast last week. So David reached out. And twice his name has come up because he played with Jason. Um, and um, anyway, Pods, we had a great talk. And he brought up Dave Lomanowitz and his pro career and great goalie. Not everybody plays in the NHL. He was drafted to Florida in the ninth round, I believe, and played all over. Jeez, uh, Dave went on. I, you know, you, you play against these guys and, you know, you meet them after the game. And I'm not saying I never saw him before. I knew what he looked like. I'm sure we bumped into each other. And um, I remember more than once in junior, like saying hi kind of thing. I, I can't remember. I, I know he was on the All-Star team. I'm not sure if he was the year I was. But one of those things, you know, and I, and I believe he's in the Vancouver Super Series. We got a lot of mutual friends. So Lomanowicz, I always paid attention to. And although he didn't make the NHL, very interesting career. Uh, he played in, all over from, I'm going to list them during his intro, but like Port Huron, Carolina, Tallahassee, Elmira. Took a break in the middle to go of U of T and then went back. And along the way, I... I don't know how I could have looked it up because it's a pretty, I, I think not a famous, but it's a well-documented story online. He met his wife, his wife. This is where it gets interesting. I was shooting frontier a few years ago and I was with Momoa. We were doing stunts and I have no idea why, but this girl who was in the film industry we get talking and, you know, we get talking about hockey and Momoa was just getting into it. Momoa always, Jason Momoa, that is Aquaman, whatever. We, we worked on Frontier together. Um, I often start talking, assuming people know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so this was 2016 or 17. We were doing season three, I think, of Frontier, which you can find on Netflix. And we were getting ready to do a stunt or whatever, and it was dark out, but it, you know, people are always coming in and out of set. And she was there and she goes, no, Terry, like, you guys are talking about, we were talking about hockey. She goes, Terry Ryan, right? She goes, David Lomanowitz, you played against. I'm like, yes, David Lomanowitz. Great goalie and in, in, in junior, big guy too. Dave's one of those big goalies, 6'2 or 6'3, 200 pounds. And um, 
anyway, we got chatting and she, I don't know where they ran into each other. It was in the, it was in the United States though. And I believe they ran into each other more than once. Um, Oh, just one second. It's literally my mom calling. Hello? Just one sec. I got to put this on pause. How unprofessional. <laughs> Sorry about that. Ah, uh, 44 going on 14. My mom still calls me, I'm going to say, 15 times a day. She just wanted to know then, because we're going down for dinner on Saturday to the Merchant Tavern um, uh, for... Uh, by Teed. Yes, the Merchant Tavern is um, my buddy Jeremy Charles, right? He's the he's the head chef and part owner and Jeremy's uh, one of the best. And my ex, Danielle, and we were in great terms so she's going to be with us. So we're going down there for my Aunt Dina Orr's retirement party. Aunt Dina was a psychologist, is a psychologist and she works uh, largely with the uh, police here. But um. She had a great career, and Dina, I'm looking forward to this, to be honest. I don't ever, I've never looked forward to a retirement party, but the, um, it's a small group of family members, probably 10 or 11 of us, 12 of us, are going to go down, and that doesn't get to happen a lot, so I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, Mom wanted to know, this is Saturday night. Mom wanted to know about where the parking is and the free parking. Uh, because she said, you, you you know your way around down there. So she started to look forward to it, right? Talk about it, like, what's she going to wear? So she got a call and, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. She's she's a worry warp, but she's also, mom gets anxiety, but it's 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 positive anxiety. Speaking of that, to, to go back, and, and, and I'm like that a lot. When I say to people anxiety and I need to be relaxed, it's not always this negative you know, fuck, I got to pay my bills. It's, it's often like, like tomorrow I have, I have to like say yesterday, you know, today I had to do some work with film. I had to go to TJ's. I had to do podcast, I had to guest on one. And I had to, I'm doing this and my daughter has theater today. So those are all fun things for me and, and, and adventure or, or, you know, go on an adventure. I got to drop some books off. So I'll like download a couple of podcasts, drive around town. It's all stuff I enjoy doing, but you know, w when you're planning it out and as you're doing it, it's just, it's, it's like a positive energy. I almost need, that's why I smoke CBD. I've talked about it on here, but exactly that. I say to mom here, la, I've given some to her. She, she's iffy, but she, she gets it. I thought she'd be totally against it. She's, she's warming up to it. But I'm like, look, light that up and smoke that. Fuck's sakes. Relax. Um, anyway, Lamanowitz, yeah, it's I can't wait to hear the story because over the years, uh, many people, including, like I just said, his wife, current wife, I believe he's still together with her. We'll find out. This was a few years ago. Um, you know, his name has come up here and there and everywhere, whether I was in uh, Newfoundland, New Brunswick, Boise, Idaho once. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's, yeah, five minutes to interview time. So I'm going to call Davey now, get everything set up. Again, DraftKings, thanks a lot. And follow along. Visit the page, ladies and gents. And uh, I'll talk more at the end about DraftKings the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens, the Beatles, and uh, our plan going ahead. 
Stay tuned. David Lomanowitz coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the program ninth round pick of the Florida Panthers in 1995, the former Kelowna Spartan, Penticton, Pan, Penticton Panther, Spokane Chief, Port Huron Border, Border Cat, Carolina Monarch, Tallahassee Tiger Shark, New Haven Beast, Austin Ice Bat, University of T, Toronto, Varsity Blue, Memphis River King, Laredo Buck, Elmira Jackal, and Rio Grande Valley Killer B. He is a big-time buck. Backstopper, a charming ex-chief, a satisfied suitcase, a great goalie. This kid from Van used to play goal for Spokane. Some like lemons, some like limes. This cat stopped me at least 200 times. Man alive, we beat them in 1995, but I busted off sticks when they smoked us in 96. Unique career, interesting life, and wait till you hear how he met his wife. Sweet, sang the song Ballroom Blitz. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is, David Lomanowitz. How you doing, my man? <laughs> doing great. Good to see your face. Well, it's wild uh, that this is even happening. Now, um, I, I kind of warmed everybody up in the preamble. And great to see you, too, by the way. You look great. You look great. <laughs> you, you, you look like you're living an interesting life. And we'll get into that in a sec. Um, so Dave and I, Dave, were you in the Vancouver Super Series? I was. You yeah. were. I, I thought so. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Mm -hmm. So my listeners will often, you know, that was when I left home to play in the Western League, 14. I often tell the story. You were on Team Vancouver, no? Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. With Robbie Gordon was on my team. With Robbie Gordon, we opened up against you. We tied 6-6. And I think most people were saying, wow. I often, I've played national competitions in soccer, ball hockey, <laughs> ice hockey, and baseball. And usually... Just like that one, we play the host, so the host can win by 10, and everybody gets a free hot dog, and everybody's happy. But you know what I mean? Oh, it's Newfoundland. Let's put them against Vancouver at the Sun God Arena right yeah, off. Sun God Arena. Yeah, right at the start of the tournament. But anyway, uh, we, we like to tell that because Newfoundland, you know, we did, I don't want to say a defeatist atti attitude, but a little bit of an inferiority complex at the time. Not having, we didn't even really have, a, not really, we, we didn't have a triple A program. We just put that team together. And we, now, of course, it's changed and it, it's, it's, you know, we've got, I was the only one at the time that left. Eventually, a lot of others, others did, but now we've got, you know, dozens playing away somewhere. Yeah. Now, so this is what I'm interested in. Your path to the Spokane Chiefs. Did you go in the Bantam draft? Your, your, your age group is the first year of the Bantam draft. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's an interesting fact. I did. I uh, went in the Banton draft. I can't remember what year it was, but uh, that's how I ended up in Spokane. I played with, if you remember Adam Smith, he was a D-man. Great The Tacoma Rockets. Yep. I do. So he and I played as 15-year-olds in the BC Junior Hockey League for the Spartans. And, uh, and then the following year as a 16-year-old is when I went to Spokane. I see. So you were with the Spartans in Kelowna. So you got, did you get drafted there or you just signed? I mean, 15. No, I think I got drafted as a 14-year-old, if I recall. Like, I think Spokane. No, you got drafted to like, Spokane, but wh how does it work to go into Kelowna? I know how it worked know, for me. But That's yeah. a good question. So I think, I think you know, they have their BCJ scouts just like every other province okay. has their scouts. And at, look, I was probably shaving in grade eight, right? I mean, I was the size yeah. I am now. I'm just a lot fatter now. But back then, same height and far more athletic and flexible and actually had some potential. Now I just, you know, I hang out with my cows, my dogs and my wife and my kids kind of in thing. But, uh, but back then, 
um, I think that's how it happened. Adam and I were both early bloomers. We sort of stood out and uh, we ended up getting a tryout with the Kelowna Spartans. John Oliver was the coach. I ended uh, he, up coached, living he coached me in Boise, Idaho. Okay, so you know exactly who he is. And so John and his wife, Diane, if you remember her, a uh, nice lady, and uh, their kids. I mean, th those kids, when I lived with them, I used to babysit them. They were maybe three, four, and six. And then I, you know, got disconnected from hockey for a while for various different reasons. And I come back and I see two of them end up playing in the NHL or at least getting scholarships to NCAA <laughs> and stuff like that. So they'd never remember me. They were just kids when I, when I knew them. But, uh, and then Spokane the following year as a 16-year-old. Yeah, as a 16. So you were in Spoke parts of four years. Well, I mean, most of all. Yeah. Of it. But, uh, so I assume, right? Yeah, you, yeah, exactly, you, you were exactly right. Yeah, okay. Uh, so outside of hockey and everything, what did you think of it? Of Spokane? Yeah. I, I mean, I loved playing in Tri-Cities. It, it was, but I'm coming from Newfoundland. You're coming from, like, you know, you, you're really only a few-hour drive if, if you really want to dissect it like that. But it, was, it must have yeah. been different for a 16-year-old. For me, I thought Tri-City was out of this world, but we had a great time for reasons. You know, when I, when I got traded to Red Deer, People would say, oh, man, I can't imagine not being able to go to the bar, uh, you know, because you had to be 21. But that brought us closer together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Our house parties were great. So a lot of good <laughs> memories made at those house parties to never be retold, at least not in a public forum. But uh, <laughs> did you go to school there? I did. Yeah, I went to university high school. I dated my uh, science teacher's daughter. <laughs> really? Yeah, I got an A in that class. I don't think I don't recall being very smart, but I definitely got an A in that class. How did they treat you as members of uh, in our school? I went to Kamaikan. Uh It was all right. They respected we played. But we got a little bit of I, I think I think the football, basketball, I think the, the rest of the athletic community was a little down on us, to be honest. Maybe it was. Yeah, maybe it was a little bit of resentment, jealousy, whatever it might be. You know, we're already kind of you know how it is. You're playing major junior. You're, you're going to high school, but you know, you're, you, you, you're on your way. It's, it's not like high school football, even though they got a lot, a lot of fans sometimes outdrew us. It, it's not the Big same. <laughs> yeah. So I think there was a little bit of resentment there. How about you? I agree. I think, you know, it sort of boiled down into two camps. Those who are kind of interested and open to meeting people who weren't American or who weren't local. Um, you know, not that we ever thought we had different accents, but they certainly thought that we did. And, <laughs> And uh, then the, then you had the haters, like you said, the people who just kind of resented and were jealous. And like like you said, that mostly stemmed from the other athletes at the school or, you know, of course, guys end up dating girls and or stealing girl girlfriends. Not like literally, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, totally. they end up you get the attention and they get jealous and your high school, you're full of piss and vinegar and, and you just don't know, even know how to deal with those emotions. So I think there was a lot of that. But I got treated very well. I mean, from. I had numerous billets. They all treated me like gold. The community treat us like, treated us like gold. I felt very welcome there and had a great experience. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing in Spokane. The, coming from Tri-Cities, people might in the area might think I'm not saying that because I still say it was one of the best rivalries. If not the best rivalry, I ended up playing. I mean, you know, I said that on a Parolin show and someone emailed me, right? Or, you know, you get these the fan mail and everything, which is great. A lot of people chime in, a lot of fans from back then. But one person said, well, A, you know, um, that was a long time ago. You guys were in the same division, but I don't remember any big games. I'm like, did you see the same games? I, I remember going into overtime, not only game seven on the New Year's Eve games, um, it, it, we'd always sell out. And, and not only that, 
another another one brought up well you played for the canadians and you know there's the toronto maple leafs but those things are you know almost bigger than life itself what i'm saying you know most of my playing was in the minors i don't really consider myself a part of the nhl rivalry between the habs and the leaps but in junior <laughs> you have that you know what i mean we have yeah. the certain areas and a both teams have to be good right but or at least similar both teams have to suck at the same time or yeah and here we were we, we were basically playing for two of those years to see who was going to lose the Kamloops, but it was a lot of fun along the way. Right? <laughs> That's exactly right, man. I remember some of the things we'd get into that Tri-Cities dressing room. And I don't know if this was true or not. I have a feeling it probably was. What was the coach's name there? There again, Bob. Bob Lauks, Little Brutus. Bob Lauks. Yeah. So they, they, they would be a wrestler. He used to be a wrestler. That's yeah. right. You know, guys would be saying, oh, fucking Lauks. He, he's turning up the heat in here, trying to smoke us out, turning it into a sauna, get us all dehydrated. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of warm. I don't know. Maybe it's just a small room and we're all kind of hyped up <laughs> for the game, but just shit like that, that, you know, yeah, know. you'd be thinking that's how important it is to you know, just do anything you can to get the other team off their game. And you're right. I mean, between the crowds and just the intensity, right? I mean, I remember one of my first games, Lance Burns got into a, a fight and it turned into a line brawl. And who did I fight? David Brumby, maybe? Uh, and I wasn't much of a fighter. So, and I didn't get into many fights, but I remember but, that. I was like, holy when shit, you, when you say it's going to be like. When you say you didn't get in many, you're a goalie. That That's yeah. how numb we are to it from the Western Hockey League at the time. <laughs> I didn't get in many. You know, I got in a few. Well, you're a goalie. Now, a goalie goes from start to finish with never, ever fighting. Unless something crazy, crazy, crazy happens. But back <laughs> yeah, yeah, then, yeah. It was like forced into it. Yeah, you know, but back then, I, it was, that, yeah, I got in three this year. You know, I can I can throw them. I don't fight that much. You're, you're a goalie. <laughs> It was, it was looking back. I mean, but can you, I remember they came in and told us you can't warm up together anymore. And, and I, I was just drafted. I think that's part of the reason you're drafted when you're 14, but it was great because yeah. they put me in Cornell BC, but you know, I'd fly down every second weekend. So I was, I was spending a lot of time with the team and I'll never forget when I went down and I was like, what? And they, uh, Todd Klassen, God rest his soul. He was still alive. Then I, I used to, you know, he was the captain. So, I would go down and they'd have me stay with and around him, go to yeah. the meals with him and things. And I remember I was going, what? And he goes, yeah. And he said, they're, they're taking away the, they've taken away the 10 minutes. So he said, if you, if you get a 10 minute in the Western thing, it doesn't count. And he said, we can't warm up together. He was going, I would say, what is going on? He goes, ah, oh, there's just too many brawls and stuff. And I was <laughs> like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was heated. It was heated. Oh. Games were chippy. And, you know, unless you got to know some of the guys, like, I think the first time I actually um, talked to you guys was at the All-Star game in Prince George. Like, I was, actually hung out yeah. and talked to you guys, right? And I'm like, fuck, those are a great group, group of guys. But when you're on the other side in Spokane, you don't have any personal relationships, meaning you didn't play, uh, you know, minor hockey or from the same hometown or, you know, like with Robbie after the games, Robbie Gordon, I'd always talk to him or, you know, different yeah, yeah. guys. But, uh, you know, I just... For some reason, I didn't, I don't, I, Craig Stahl is the only guy I knew. Wow. How did from, you know Craig? Because we played for the Austin Ice Bats together. I love Stahlzy, man. Wow. He, you know, yeah. he reached out. I hadn't talked to him. He, he was one of my best buddies there. We really, I love him. Really, really uh, similar uh, personalities on and off the ice. Really love the guy. And we spent a lot of time hanging out in trade. A lot, you know. You get buddies and you get teammates, but Stalzian would often like pick me up and we'd just go and, you know, just I would hang out with him. But he reached yeah. out the other day 
actually his son did. And I think he lives in Columbus where we got into firefighting. I didn't realize any of that. It was great to reach out um, or to talk to him again. So listen, you're coming into the, you're a 16 year old goalie coming into the Western league. There's gotta be a lot of pressure that comes with that. Uh, speaking of bell, let's talk day. Um, yeah. <laughs> I often say, you know, back then you would think of, you know, speaking of bell, let's talk, you know, mental issues meant that you were like, couldn't remember what was happening yesterday or you, 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 you physically had some kind of um, handicap for lack of a better word, but being a goalie, I've had them on, I've talked to them. I've, I've always been, it's always intrigued me that you've got to stay. I'm not saying you have mental health issues. What I'm saying is that you have to keep, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it's tough mentally. You've got to be in there. There's now there's probably, they go with three, but at the most part, there's, there's a couple, one guy, you, you got to support each other within this competition. I mean, how was that as a 16 year old going in? Not every goalie, even high picks don't play at 16. How did you deal with it? Yeah, it was tough. And look, I mean, I, I don't think I lasted past January before they sent me to Penticton, right? Mm. Um, you know, I was really inconsistent. Some nights I stood on my head and, and then other nights, you know, it's kind of like a box of chocolates. Like, you know, which Dave were we going to get now that I'm older and mature and looking back, I'm sure that's what the coaches were thinking. Um, you know, I had Brian Maxwell that year. Yeah. Okay. And he is old school. Let's, yeah. let's just say I've that he is, he is an old school coach. Okay. He's not there to coddle you. He's not there to, uh, you know, give you uh, a, a trophy or, or he motivates you through fear. And when you're 16 sitting in that Spokane dressing room and, you know, there were some from Val Bure to different guys in that room who, by the way, I ended up reconnecting with because of my wife in, in uh, Park City on a ski trip. Here we are, however many years later. No way. Both, both married to Hallmark actresses going skiing. I mean, it was, it was surreal. No but this, this is unbelievable. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. It's truly unbelievable. But anyway, so we're, you're in that room. You remember Maxim Betts? I do, yeah. Left okay, shot, great. left shot. Yeah. Oh, man. One-timer yeah. from the Deadly oh, player, yeah. Deadly. Well, he his English wasn't great, so Burr would you know translate for him mostly, and Dmitry Leonov, who was my roommate, uh, would would translate for him as well. And I remember we were late or something one day. And Maxi, if you weren't ten minutes early, you were already late, right? And you got fined for everything. He'd he'd make the bus leave if guys didn't miss if they didn't make it to the bus on time. I remember we were on Eastern Swing one time. Might have even been Red Deer, Lethbridge. He told the bus driver to go, and the guys had to catch a cab to, to get to the rink. Like, just no no second chances with him. He walked into the room one day, and he was this kind of this guy, like, brooding, right? Like, kind of mean-looking and hands behind the back. And then he would just snap and say something really loud. I'll never forget it, because Maxim Betts flew into the back of his stall and hit his back up against the, uh, you know, the wall. Yeah. That's the kind of presence, let's say that. That's the kind of presence he had in the room. And it was intimidating, right? Yeah. It was intimidating. And, you know, I think it worked for some players, like a guy like Ryan Duffy. Like, he knew how to take that energy and yeah. turn it into something positive. But for a lot of guys, they would go into a shell. You know, and for I me... I know it's exactly. Not I yeah, I know what you mean. Because I, I did yeah. this. I, I had one like that, Michelle Terrian, and I, 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 I didn't like it at all. It's the opposite. I don't like it. I don't mind honesty. Right. I don't yeah. mind honesty. And, you know, tell me, give me some feedback. But when, when it starts to be mind games and fear anyway. Yeah. That, yeah. You, so, you, you keep going. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, um, that was the toughest part for me was, of course, I treated my job very seriously. And of course, I gave it 110 percent. I mean, I guess I'm saying, of course, because I know myself and I know my character. 
But to have somebody, like you said, play those mind games with you, right? Pull you when you, you thought you, you know, maybe you deserved a second chance, not because you were so hungover, you couldn't even fucking see straight, right? Yeah. Like, and as a 16 year old, you don't have necessarily, and I didn't have a dad. He died. He was a commercial fisherman when I was 10. My mom's an immigrant, can barely speak, speak English. From- I didn't really have somebody to like bounce. I, I didn't have a sounding board, right? Yeah. You know, which uh, I'm not saying that that's the reason I didn't have the mental sort of, uh, you know, juice that first year, but I certainly developed as I went on because as a goaltender, as you know, your game's mental. You start. I can't and, imagine it, Dave. I can't. And my, my father played professional hockey. Like, so b- being a forward that played the same position and him doing that, I always had that. I, which, which I really, really look back. I don't not take, I don't take for granted for yourself. I didn't know that what your father passed away when, how old were you? So I was 10 years old. He was on a boat. There's a memorial in Steveson, British Columbia, of all the lost uh, fishermen at sea. And uh, he was on a crew of seven. And uh, he was one of those people. And um, yeah. funny story. It's, I mean, I, I, I've almost forgotten about this. Um, his boat was lost at sea near the Queen Charlotte's north, north of Vancouver Island. And I got on the bus. The second year in Spokane, they sent me down to Penticton. I get on the bus and I sit next to this guy. His name is Brian Barnes. I don't know if he ever played past... Uh, the BCJ. He's from Burnaby. And we start talking. Hey, my name's Dave. I'm Brian. I'm from Vancouver. I'm from Burnaby, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, man. My dad was a fisherman. Oh, no shit. My dad was a fisherman, too. He goes, yeah, but, you know, he, he died a few years back. I said, what? I said, so did mine. Oh, my I God. I said, what boat was he on? What was the name? He goes, Scotia Cape. I go, my dad was on that boat. Are you joking me? Seven I'm people on joking. the fucking boat. I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. You, Boy, you have all these things happen to you. It's it's just weird. And, you know, when we were talking earlier, just texting back and forth over Instagram, you know, I said, I'm just on this journey. I, I've sort of lost control. I mean, I have control over my decisions. Don't don't misunderstand. But I'm just on this crazy life jersey journey that I've just been riding. And it's you know, it's taken a 180 degree turn so many times. I mean, we'll probably get into it. You're probably curious about how I ended up in the U.S. military. I mean, you know, I never thought I'd end up in the U.S. military. Okay, never thought yeah. I'd live. in. East I, I really am. I, I really am. So. And if we were just to stick to my questions and my stories, we're not going to make it out of third year junior. So (laughs) you go on, you go, because I want to get to this. You get drafted by Florida. You go to camp, you play pro. So you, after you, you get your four years in Spokane and you went, your next year was where in the, I mean, I should have these notes. Carolina Monarchs. Carolina Monarchs. Only lasted for two seasons uh, because Hartford moved down and became the Carolina Hurricanes. So they took our building in Greensboro till they moved to Raleigh. Yeah. And then I went to the beast of New Haven of all the names of all the teams that I played for. And that was only was Chad Cabana there. Yeah. Yeah. Copa Cabana. There's another, another (laughs) Tri-City American. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about Chad. He was such a nice guy. I mean, nice guy. guy. Just Just nose to the grindstone kind of guy. Heart of gold. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. dude. Um, so I actually went fishing with Cavi a few years ago up in Bonneville. I tracked him down. I went out to Alberta to do some work. And um, sure enough, he's up in Bonneville. We went fishing. It was a great time. Stayed at his, stayed cool. at his place. Um, so you go to Carolina. So, to, yeah, and, and your, your life, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but uh, I ran into Dave's current wife on the set of Frontier a few years ago. So we're, we're going to end up there. But let's just so you're in the U.S. military and you you met this girl, I guess, associated with the film industry, right? Yeah. So like she, was she acting or was she directing like and I don't know what came first. So tell 
Okay, Carolina, so what, this, how do, how do this, we how do we end up into these one eighty degree turns? Take, tell tell me how you came up on your first one. Okay, so let's. This is a good segue because this is my first year in the American League in Carolina for the Monarchs. Okay. okay. I don't remember exactly where we met. Now, mind you, I was 20, maybe, yeah, I was 20, maybe 21, and she was three years younger. I remember, and it could have even been Jason Podolan for all I know, maybe Ryan Johnson or Kevin Weeks, one of the guys I used to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. We went out as uh, to a bar. I remember there being a pool table and, and darts and this and that. And that's where I met Jill and her friend. Um, I ended up dating Jill. In where, in Carolina? In, in North Carolina. She was okay. from a little town called Wahlberg outside of Winston-Salem. And my dad played is, there for the Polar Twins, Winston-Salem Polar Twins. No kidding. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's basically her hometown, home of Krispy Kreme as well. That's probably yeah. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we spend almost every Christmas there. So before we bought this house and moved to East Tennessee, anyways. So we went out on three or four dates. I go back to Vancouver. Um, you know, this is before cell phones and texting. I'm actually, you know, I like living with a billet. So I lived with a district court judge there, Bill Daisy. Rest his soul. He's gone now. Um, and, you know, I didn't have a cell phone or nothing. And I went home at Christmas, ended up dating a girl. Okay. Stuck, stayed, ended up staying, as history would have it, stayed with her for five years. When I got back to Greensboro, you know, sort of dick hockey player moved. I never called her back and gave her closure, right? Look, am I proud of it? No. Immature. You know, am I the first and last guy to ever do that? Yeah. Probably not. But not the right move at the end of the day. So that's kind of the worst part of the story. Fast forward 17 years later, okay? Now I'm in the US military, deployed overseas on my deployment. And I see these, uh, you know, these um, posters in the chow hall, in the gym, all around the base. Um, Joe Wagner, ABC, Wipeout, and uh, Romney Malco from whatever shows he was doing, a black actor. And uh, my boss, I had a very unconventional job in the military, very casual, I wasn't in uniform. And uh, there was a very small office. And my boss goes, hey, man, uh, check out this hot girl is coming to, coming to base. And so I go to my unclassified system because we have classified systems and unclassified systems. And if you're going to Google a hot chick, you got to do it on an unclassified system. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So, uh, <laughs> so I go to the unclassified system, put in her name, click on images. I start looking. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. I, I, I'm. I'm. There's 400 million people in the United States. You're over. You, you've only met a, a small fraction of them. You're overseas, and you're telling me that this is the girl that you met years before. Tr, listen to me. It is. I, I, everyone I've told this story to, their jaws are dropping. We haven't even got to some of the crazy parts yet. So, wow. I look her up, click on images. I look. I'm like, I know this girl. <laughs> I go to Wikipedia. Dad's a former Marine, grew up in a little town outside of Greensboro. I'm like, holy shit, this is the Jill. And I didn't remember her last name. I said, this is the Jill I dated when I was in Carolina for the, in the American League. Because I'll never forget it. In her Carolina, dad, too. It's not like you were on Broadway. Why do, I know. Yeah, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Keep going. It's crazy. I, I'll never forget it because her dad showed me my first gun. Like, actual held, like, you know, yeah. showed me how to function, ammunition. And I never forgot, forgot that. Her dad's a former Marine. And uh, he showed me my first gun ever. And as you know, being from Canada, well, at least I didn't. Maybe you, do, you, do, you did. No, no. And maybe, I, I didn't know anyone with a gun. I, don't I didn't know that. anyone with a handgun. My uncle had a shotgun and a rifle, but I never saw it. And uh, so that was a watershed moment for me. As you know, fate would have it, I ended up carrying one on my hip for many years as a, as a federal law enforcement officer. So it was kind of ironic at the time having those feelings. Anyways, 
next day they're on base. My boss goes, I tell him, oh, here, I tell my boss, I go, look, dude, you're not going to believe this. But I think I fucking dated this girl uh, when yes. I was a hockey player. He goes, you know what he says to me, TR? He goes, man, I'm so sick and tired of your hockey stories. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have said the same. But, but like the odds on this are, I mean, winning the lotto is putting it mildly. So how did it take off? So I uh, next day, there's a row of Marine soldiers, airmen waiting for autographs. There's a bit of a break in the action. A bunch of black soldiers are getting their pictures taken with Romney. And there's like bottlenecks. So I walk up and I say, Jill, excuse me. And I'm, I, I have a beard now. My beard was bigger. V-neck. I was fit. Gun on hip. Like tactical pants. Like she would never recognize me. Okay. Because I was always clean shaven when I was a hockey player. As a goalie. I mean, you, just, you understand, right? And um, I go, Jill, you're from North Carolina, right? She goes, yeah. I go, a little town outside of Greensboro? She goes, yeah. I go, did you ever go to any Carolina Monarchs hockey games? She goes, yeah. I go, do you remember dating the goalie? She looks at me. Her eyes get big. Her mouth goes, her hand goes over her mouth. Right. She's like, what are you doing here? I'm literally saying, I've got orders. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> right? This is 17 years later. <laughs> 17 years. And not only that, are you both single? No. So we're not she's not single i'm not single but we get properly caught up right oh, i yeah, of course well i mean where, yeah. well not not in not the properly properly caught up not the way we've been caught catching up since but at the time i had off base privileges offered to take her off base uh she had a very predetermined schedule so that didn't work out so we just shot the breeze on base had a beer or whatever a drink together and you know she she asked me right off the bat she was like what happened to you and i told her the same story i told you and we exchanged emails and you know here we go like uh, nothing really came of it i i uh, what year was this this was 2000 and when did i get deployed 2013 fast forward now to 2016 okay well now, wait, one right before we fast forward okay yeah, yeah. what year just so there's one part of the story but when you went to the military that i I'm getting foggy in my head. Where were you playing when you decided I'm going to go to the military? Real Grand Valley Killer Bees. And I'll tell you that story because I never proactively pursued it. Okay. So I was at, after the, I decided to retire at 30, 31, whatever I was, you know, I saw the writing on the wall. I needed to make a decision, right? Yeah. I had, uh, uh, you know, I, at the time I was, I had a previous marriage and, and, you know, mortgage, cars, whole nine years. So I, they hired me as the public ambassador for the team. And as a goalie, you got the neat gear and the helmet and this yeah. and that. So I went to a, a middle school and they had a career day. So I set up my little table. I'm in my little golf shirt and dress pants and, you know, got my gear on the table. Killer bees goalie, blah, blah, blah. And kids are coming by asking for an autograph or, you know, touching the gear, this and that. Over the PA, next thing I know. Coach Gonzalez challenges Killer Bees goalie Dave Lamanovich to a push-up contest. Report to the ROTC uh, kiosk. On like unscripted here? You didn't know yeah. this? Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I'd be sour. Push-up contest? Do about I mean, don't get me wrong. I was fit. I just finished the season. But as a goalie, I wasn't exactly benching 270. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, so I walk over. I don't even know what ROTC even stood for. It stands for Reserve Officer Training Corps. So it's a path to becoming a commissioned officer in the U.S. military. Uh, you do it while you're in college, right? For the Canadian audience, I'm sure most people don't know that. And, uh, you know, so uh, I walk up and Lieutenant Colonel Dean hands me a rucksack. It must have weighed about 40, 50 pounds. I was like, what's this for? 
He goes, you got to do the push-ups with the rucksack. I was like, yeah, okay. You know, thinking he's kidding. You shitting me? And he goes, yeah, well, Coach Gonzalez did it. 27 push-ups. I was like, fuck. I can't now. All the kids are like, you know, the Arsenio Hall, like, ooh, ooh, oh ooh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, you're putting, oh, you're putting a corner here. Oh, I'm in a corner. Yeah. I gotta perform. I don't even know. I, quite honestly, didn't know how many push-ups I could do. Maybe yeah. 15, maybe 100. I don't know. Long story <laughs> short, I do 42 with the uh, rucksack. I get up, hand the rucksack back to Colonel Dean. He slaps me on the shoulder, and goes. That's Ranger material, son. And <laughs> oh God, this is this is too much. This is like a movie scene. <laughs> I said, I said, you got to be kidding me, because at the time, the only Rangers I knew played in fucking New York. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know what he's talking about. Now, of course, I knew who the Army Rangers are, and you know the rest is history. He said, "Have you ever?" I go, "Look, I'm Canadian." He goes, "Have you ever thought about getting your education and maybe you know joining the the Army?" And I'm like, "Look, I, I'm Canadian. Like, how does this even work?" And I can't go active duty. We live. That would have been my first question. I, I wouldn't even thought it possible. You're Canadian. Exactly. However, I was a permanent resident because my wife was American, and you can enlist in the U.S. military if you're a permanent resident. You might not qualify for a certain security clearance, but you can enlist. You can get in. Wow. So that's news to me. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's how it ended up happening. I worked on my master's at the same time while commissioning as an officer and and uh, I've been doing the U.S. Army Reserve thing for masters 13 what? years now. in global security and something like that. I mean, it so is that what you a, did at University of Toronto? International relations. How yeah. did how how did that happen? You, so, you know, so, you know, the odd person listens to this that doesn't know the levels of hockey. That, that's kind of an odd step. Um very odd stuff. If you look the at, at Dave's, believe, yeah, it, it's unheard of for me. You, you, so you, yeah. you got to take a year or two off a of pro j- just to play for you. No. Oh, you don't have to do that? No, you only have certain years of eligibility. It was called the CIAU back then. I don't know what it's called now, but yeah, yes, yeah, it always okay. changes. But in any case, I looked at like to look at the hockey DB and see like a few years pro, then to see University of Toronto and then to see pro again is very, very rare. Yeah. Um, so, do you know who uh, Doug Shedden is? Yeah, Doug coached he, here in St. John's. I, I did the color for his team. The color exactly. commentary. Yeah, when I first retired, I had a bad ankle. Came okay. back. Sheds was here coaching, and you know, I, I did the color with the radio announcer. Okay, so I'll, I'll try to I'll try to condense this, but basically, played two years pro. Decided to get my education. Don't ask me why. I I, I regret it a little bit now because I just I, I really lost those four key years where if I was ever going to make it to the NHL. It was in those four years. Yeah, and right? there's but, a good chance, you know, given the stats, the resume you had. I, well, I won't say you know, good chance, is, but there was a there was a better chance than it wasn't some uh, pipe dream from some you know semi pro guy going, I can do it. Like you really did. You, you know, you, the levels that you played, you were right there. You, the people you played against, your peers were all up playing. So it certainly wasn't a write off, but life can throw some other curveballs at you. Clearly, so exactly, exactly. So. I ended up at the University of Toronto. When I called the coach there, Darren Lowe, he's like, uh, come on, this has got to be a joke. I mean, you're coming from the American League and the East Coast League. And <laughs> no. It's like, what the hell is the matter? He thought there was something wrong with me. Maybe you're right, TR. Maybe I do have a mental illness or something. <laughs> but, but anyways, it's got me this one, I guess. And uh, so I played there for two years. The third year there, they hire me as an assistant. No, fourth year there, they hire me as an assistant coach. Well, hire me. You know, I, I got to have the 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 title of assistant coach. Well, the director of player, this is 2004. The Leafs had a great team that year. 
that they had Gary Roberts from uh, Darcy Tucker, Brian McCabe. I mean, yeah. you know, it was, it was crazy. They had a really stacked team. They lost that year in the second round to Tampa. No, to, to Philly when Roenick went top shelf on Eddie Belfort. So Eddie that, yeah. had a terrible back that year. Terrible. They couldn't find a goalie to, to pull from whether it was St. John's to practice for the last two months of the season and into the playoffs. Well, somehow Dave Lamanovich ends up filling that role. My God. Okay. My God. The director of player personnel, personnel was an old U of T guy, called my coach and said, can I have one of your goalies for practice? He goes, no, it'll affect their eligibility. But I got the assistant coach here, Dave. He's only one year off of playing. You can throw him between the pipes. Look, I got this older gear. I, I mean, I hadn't been on the ice other than to, to coach for over a year. I hadn't skated while the alumni game. That was about it. So I all of a sudden get thrown in to a top five NHL team practice. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know this. I didn't know this. This is fantastic. Keep going. Yeah. So I'm coming in. A car picks me up every day. They pay me a hundred bucks a practice. Oh <laughs> my God. You're thinking like, again, again, you're, this is something like your marriage, like your career, like it's the just, military. You have no idea. It just fell into your lap. Okay. It just, this right place at the right time. Yeah. And so I'm thinking this is amazing. So I walk into the room. Mind you, I played junior with Brian McCabe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I walk into the room. I thought Caber had seen a ghost. Oh, he looks what? at me. He must have he looks been. At me. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> no. Way. Oh, I was like, my fucking U of T bag and my shitty goalie sticks that are half broken. I'm like, I'm your new practice goalie. <laughs> Holy, I am blown away. So how long so was, did you, how long did you, and I mean, Tux was in your division. I mean, he knew who you were. Um, yeah, no, yeah, so Darcy, but as you know, one of the most serious, most professional, most well-prepared guys. Yeah. He was my roommate. He was my block. roommate in Montreal. And, and while I mean, we, in the summers we would go, yeah, yeah, I know Tux well, still talk to him all the time. You, you just, in a nutshell, yeah. One of the most yeah. prepared. Yeah, I'm here to He's do a just, job. Yeah, I'm focused on making the NHL. I'm making the NHL. No one is going to yeah. tell me otherwise. Yeah. It was interesting for me to see that because I started to see what it took to be in the, in the NHL. Yeah. Being surrounded by so many guys, watching them prepare, right? How early they got to the rink, what they did in order to keep their bodies in the top shape to prepare for the next time they were on the ice. I mean, it was... I thought to myself, I was like, fuck, I really wish I, I'd seen this when I was 20. But yeah, this is I what it that. took, you know. And I sat next to Chad Kilger, another super nice guy. Yeah. I mean, such a nice guy. Another great experience in that room was I walked into their room where, you know, you get undressed into your hockey gitch and, and get ready to go. Matt Sundin was right next to me in the locker room there. I walk in. He doesn't recognize me. He goes, hi, I'm Matt Sundin. In my head, I'm thinking, I no fucking kidding you're Matt Sundin. You know what I mean? I... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but first class guy, first class guy. So at the end of that, fast forward, I'm a black ace into the playoffs. And now I've hit my stride. I feel pretty good. Yeah. Right. And Doug Shedden's like, fuck, do you want to play again? You know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. It's my last year of university. Got my, got my degree. Why not? So I end up in the Memphis with the Memphis River Kings, who was their double A yeah, affiliate. I, I got called up to St. John's a time or two. Uh, I think I backed up in Hamilton and, you know, so whatever, right? That's no, This is really interesting to make yourself to get back, even though you weren't trying to do it, 
Um, but it, it must have been good mentally. You know, Dave, I'm not just saying it. I remember you're, you're great, not a good goalie, a great goalie. And you couldn't be at that time and you couldn't have the numbers you had. And I've often said goalie's one of those positions. Not one of those. It's its own. It, it's a, in all of sports, it's one of those positions that's, it's just, you're there. There's one of usually only two guys. Um, yeah. That are going to that are going to get the job. You, you it often comes in if someone in the NHL at least the further you go up, even it starts in major junior. Guys are drafted to be there. They're probably going to get the nod. You might be better, but well, we got money into this guy. So yeah. it turns out five backup goalies trying out for one position, all of who could be better than the starter. You don't really know. I mean, some cases you do, but you know what I'm getting at. It's such a fickle, fickle position, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to try to look at it and, and figure out where someone's ceiling lies. Uh, yeah. And there's again, right. I, 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 I really do. Most goalies I look and I'm like, wow, I got respect for you. Have playing a career in the net, like a pitcher it must be the same sort of, uh, you know, a lot. Yeah. It's a team game, mm-hmm. but it's an obvious blame, right? You know, why'd you pitch him high and away or, what the goalie didn't stop it? Yeah, you didn't see the cycle that down in the corner two minutes ago we lost the puck and then we turned it over. Then it led to a penalty. None of that's talked yeah. about, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, your coach, like Mike Babcock. I know, you know, people have either you love him or kind of hate him, kind of thing. But he almost always treated me fairly. You well, know, Babcock. So the- sorry to cut you off. This I, I meant to say this earlier. You went from Maxwell. To Babcock, to Babcock, right? Yeah. And a yeah. lot of people ask me about Babcock, and I say, um, you're not the first one. I, Joe Cartarelli's a friend of mine. Uh, you know, yeah, Joey, yeah, great guy. Uh, Val Burry. I knew, I knew Val in Montreal and Fredericton. So I've come across a lot of Spokane Chiefs over the years, and a lot have said to me, they're like, you know, well, I felt a little less pressure when we went from <laughs> Maxwell to Babcock. And now most people <laughs> in the world will be going, what are you talking about? Babcock was a breath of fresh air, but he really was, wasn't he? He hundred percent. It was night and day. I mean, Babs was, he demanded a lot out of you, but he took a more holistic approach to developing the player. Yeah. Right. Whereas Brian Maxwell was one paradigm. I'm going to fucking scare the shit out of you. And if you don't perform, I'm going to fucking yell at you, scream at you, threaten to hit you. You name the whole nine yards. And I'm glad Whereas, that's the way. And he, he was, he was mimicking other successful coaches, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. a guy it was like just that. the era. It was yeah. It was the, the era. era and the time, you know. And Babs with me, I'll never forget because this is one of the most important games of my life, and it taught me a huge lesson that no matter how bad it seems in that first period, you can battle through the adversity and come out on top. This was in Kamloops, and you remember that stupid fucking teddy bear toss yeah. and that damn song, "Taking Care of Business Every Time They Played." Yeah. We, uh, heard 16, we heard we heard it sixteen times one night. Oh God, I hate that song. But anyways. <laughs> um, so I'm in the nets, first two shots, first three minutes, two nothing. Fuck. Pulls me. Babs pulls me. Now, mind you, I'm from Vancouver, okay? Yeah. So I got all my buddies, my girlfriend, everybody up from Vancouver yeah. to watch this. They just made the five-hour drive to watch me get beat on the first two shots and get pulled in the first three minutes. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm personally devastated, Yeah. right? I'm, I'm just mad at myself, at the situation. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm in a bad space. Babs walks down to me at the end of the bench, puts Jared Daniel back in. Oh, I think now is like a, a plastic surgeon or some most fucking smart guy. Yeah, but anyways, he went to McGill. He went to McGill. Yeah, I've yeah. talked to him a few times over the years. Yeah. Yeah. He was a really bright. <clears throat> Actually, that's right. Babcock. <laughs> <laughs> so walks down to the bench. He goes, you're going back in. 
okay, all right. Well, that's, I wasn't expecting that, you know? And JD, minute and a half in, gets scored on. I go back in, three nothing, not even five minutes into the game. Well, by the end of the first period, I got beat three more times, six nothing. I think they fucking ran out of teddy bears in the first period, okay? (laughs) I mean, and you know, as a goalie, you go into your net, and you just wait for all these teddy bears to stop falling from the sky. And there's no Anyways. other rink that when they had the momentum, they oh. really had to, there's no momentum like Kamloops Jr. momentum. Oh, it, it, it was crazy. I don't even know how to describe it unless you've been there and, and, and felt it and witnessed it. Uh, there's no way to describe it. We go into the dressing room, crickets. I mean, you could hear a pin drop from Yellowknife. It was so quiet in there. Okay. Babs doesn't even come in. That's not like Babs. Like normally he has doesn't even come in. He's just... His disgust is is manifested by not even coming into the room. Assistant coach doesn't even come in the room. This is John uh, John Shockey's dad, Perry. Uh, Perry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. And uh, and uh, we go back out. And it's funny you mentioned Joe Cardarelli. Well, Joey scores. Actually, he doesn't score till the, till his third period. Long story short, after the second period, scores six six. Holy motherfuck! Wow, I didn't it's think six, you were going there. Six. We trade in the in the third period, seven seven. Overtime, Joey Cardarelli comes down in his off wing, beats Randy Patrick. We fucking win 8-7 in overtime. I had 63 shots. And uh, we somehow found a way to battle back and win. And that uh, I'll never forget that. 99% of the time, you'd still be sitting on the bench. Right. That is wild. That's a wild story, though, even even outside of your personal take on it, to come back 6-0, 6-6, and to win in Kamloops. I've... That was the hardest thing that anybody asked me. I, I don't remember how many times we won there. It felt to me like they f- they scored in the first shift every single time we played there. I know. the whole It was always packed. There was never any empty seats. Never. Right? Other places could get packed, and it would be a great atmosphere. But I don't, in my experience, it was never one person less than capacity. The teddy bears would be coming from the top deck, taking care of business every time. The fog machine when they came out, it was just... <laughs> Get get me out of here! Like you, you felt completely, completely useless. <laughs> and it was weird. They used to always do this thing in their barn. They like because I, I noticed it as a goalie, right? Because you're seeing the plays develop. They would throw it up into the air for foot chases, yeah, for foot yeah. races, and then and then you know turn into a breakaway every now and then. And then they play. They would chip it off the wall in the neutral zone. Get behind the D, and it's a two on one. And I'm like, guys. Do we not see this coming? We got to control the fucking neutral zone here. How does Jesus. it seem like they always, how does Tucker have his fourth two on one of the first period? I know. Yeah. It would always yeah, it was like unreal. Not to, mention, unreal. not to mention they had great teams. Whoever those, oh, they had good were, teams. Whoever those yeah. scouts were at the time. I mean, these guys were mentioned and we're like, like Tux was like a sixth rounder in the, in the, uh, Phantom, whatever it was, he's from Indiana, Alberta. He told me that a lot of teams didn't even want him. He was 142 pounds. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. He started junior at 142 pounds, and he's only like five nine or five. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. not tall. And five ten, maybe. More I don't focus know. and determination than any player I've ever seen. But you talk about learning from those guys. I lived with him for better part of a year. I didn't play much, but I lived with him, and I learned a lot. Um, okay, yeah. so, so now all this happens, and now you. After, after, which we, we will come back, we're all over the place. That's my nature. Um, <laughs> you're totally. Um, Jill, so all this happens now over overseas. At what point did you guys decide we're, we're going to give it a go? And at what time did you realize from there, I'm going to live in the United States? Did you guys get married right off the bat? But let us know. Yeah, so 
2013, I think, is where we left off in the story. Exchanged emails from a previous marriage. I have a daughter in Los Angeles. She's, she was young. I mean, now she's only 11 years old. And, uh, you know, so I got, to, I, well, you don't know, but I was living in, a, in Mount Baker, Washington. You know, that big, yeah. I'm a big skier. Finally got my cabin in the woods. Love that area. And, uh, I go back to Washington all the time, by the way. Oh, I, I just I love mean, it. When I, when I can, but it, I've been back an awful lot for somebody from Newfoundland. I love it. I know exactly yeah, no. where Mount Baker is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's only an hour and a half from Vancouver, very close to family, so on and so forth. Well, I got hired by my current company now. I work for Pfizer and uh, it's a remote position. So what do I do? One of the first things is I spent a couple weeks in LA because it's remote. I can work from anywhere and visit with my daughter. I'm on very good terms with my ex-wife and, you know, I'd stay with them and, and got a really chance to spend some quality time with her. Well, the weekend rolls around. I'm not spending the weekend as a single guy with my ex-wife. Okay. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So I, I got a buddy. He's from Calgary. He's a voiceover actor and a DJ down in LA. And uh, I hit him up, Johnny, what are you doing? Oh, I'm spinning at this place called Maya in, in Hollywood. I said, okay, well, I'll see you there. Well, I tell my ex-wife, she's like, oh, you don't want to go there. It's like 45 minutes away. It'll be like a $50 Uber ride, you know, just trying to convince me not to go stay in Venice. You know, you'll, you'll have, there's good bars here. I said, ah, fuck it. I'm going. I walk into this place, walk down the stairs. I look and who's standing there with her two friends. You're Jill. No, you're not. No. no, no, this didn't happen again. No fucking way. Yep. Not even shitting you. So, what? She looks at me. Yeah, she looks at me. She goes, Dave, what are you doing here? I said, I, I, my daughter lives here. I'm just visiting. I got a Lives new job. She, she didn't even know you were in L.A. Just wait, just wait, just wait. So nope. anybody on, you're just traveling the earth. There's millions, there's billions <laughs> of people. And you run into her <laughs> at three different places that are all <laughs> extreme. You couldn't get any different. Carolina. Where was it? In Germany? No, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. <laughs> And then L.A. LA. <laughs> this is incredible. By the way, I thought you were kidding when you said this yeah. story could be a could be a movie. It, it should be a movie. Anyway, keep going. I got to hear the so, rest of this. So she goes, you know, what are you doing here? So I'm visiting my daughter. I go, you know, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I just got back from shooting a movie in Vancouver. And uh, she looks at me and I look at her and and uh, I, I whisper in her ear. I said, listen. Because this is what, and this is a true story. This is what I said to my, my, uh, my supervisor, my commanding officer when I was deployed. The day after she left, right, I said to him, I walked into the office and I said, well, boss, now I've got an answer. If anyone ever asks me, what's your biggest regret in life? I said, I sure blew it with her, didn't I? And he goes, fuck, you're a moron. He goes, you blew that shit. And I said, well, I got her email. You never know. And, 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 you know, we exchanged emails, but just like, hey, how are you? Like, you know, nothing. We both were seeing people. Anyways, so um, I said to her, this is probably the sort of most forthright, manliest thing I've ever done. I grabbed her by the arm and I said, look it. I said, I fucked up back then. Give me another chance and I won't fuck up again. And, uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is, is history. We've been together ever since. Well, and that was just... April 29th, 2016. <laughs> I give you the date for this reason, because you won't believe this either. That was 2016. 2016. No wonder. So when I ran into her, that it, that was pretty fresh. It was you know, two or three years, maybe. Two years. I think she filmed Braven in January 2015, maybe. Wow. I think. I think. She was in, 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 uh, on the rock for uh, three months, I think, or something like that. But yeah, it was before that. It was before that.
Wow. And uh, before, okay, this is great news. I didn't know the context of any of this. I, when she mentioned that, there was so much that blew me away that I don't really remember much of it. She probably told me this story, but anyway. Sort of yeah, cut so you off again. We're all well, over. Well, no, because she was, really she was in Newfoundland before any of this transpired, right? So when so she, she, she definitely said David Romanowicz to me. So she was talking about. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yes. We were talking about hockey. I don't know. Yes. She doesn't necessarily say I, I just married. We were just talking about hockey because Momoa was into it. I took him to a game. He was skating that week for the first time. So I was expl I was telling them all stories, how I went out and played in Spokane. A guy that we <laughs> a guy that was on, in the movie is from. You're not going to believe it. He, he was in Deadwood. If you God, I'm going to press pause now and in a second and look him up. But Timothy, maybe somebody, but he's from Yakima. So that's why I was telling the story. So this is another, she's there. This guy's from Yakima and I'm playing his stunt double in Braven. And I'm like, what? I said, I go, how old are you? He said, I'm like 46. And that, when I mentioned it, he said, oh, for the Tri-City Americans. I said, are you shitting me? Where are you from? He said, Washington State. And they said, Yakima, I went to lots of your games. Anyway, so I couldn't believe this. I was telling stories, buddy. was like, we knew the same spots, like, you know, the restaurants and stuff. I mean, much. So like, you're part of this story. Kind of. Kind of, because as I'm telling it, Jill goes, gee, she goes, now, she goes, did you play against the uh, Spokane Chiefs? And then we, we were talking about, uh, I, I, I can't remember exactly which players, but I was telling her about my route. And then she kind of told me about your route. I didn't know. I just assumed that you guys were either together or you dated for years. When Padolan brought me up, he goes, brought it up to me when I was on his show a couple weeks ago. I said, yeah, you met Lamanowicz's wife over there. But I did, but I didn't realize that you guys weren't married yet. She was yeah. just telling me stories. I was in the middle of all this. <laughs> you were the precursor to it all. Yeah, it's wild. You laid I the just, foundation. I ramble because I talk a lot, but <laughs> I, I need to smoke a joint here. But yes, she, uh, <laughs> that's wild. So yeah, I was only telling the story because the guy I was <laughs> doing the stunts for, yeah, Um was from Yakima. So she must have picked up on that. And come to think of it, she probably didn't even really know much about be you being in Spokane, just that you that you played there. Yeah, probably. Well, wow. yep. she brought yep. up hockey to me. She, I distinctly remember she, her like as soon as the word hockey came up, your name came up. So it must have been. In yeah, no, mind. I mean, that was probably look when she tells the story, she's got her perspective, obviously. Right. And, you know, at that time in her mind, she was marrying this this 20-year-old hockey player, right? I mean, that was her 17-year-old mind. She was devastated when I never called her back. And I actually, to this day, I feel really bad about it knowing that now. Wow. But, um, but so I, the reason I gave you the date there, TR, April 29th, 2016. <laughs> so before she went to film that movie in Vancouver, it was a Hallmark movie, it shot for all of April. She just got back on the 28th the day before we met and she had broke up with her boyfriend at that time in the month before well, in February. Right. So it was still very fresh and she was sort of trying to organize all her thoughts and emotions and this and that. One of her friends says, you know what? I've got this guy. You need to go see him. His name is Sylvan and Sylvan is a clairvoyant rabbi in Beverly Hills and Sylvan. Okay is uh, she, Jill's like, I'm not Jewish. Like, uh, why do I need to go see this guy? I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Her friend goes, trust me. Jennifer Aniston goes there. You need to go. The, you, you need to go, okay, with your the way you are mentally right now. So she agrees to go. Long story short, he's like, he tells her three things. You are 
you need to get yourself ready and organized emotionally because your husband is coming. He's going to be divorced with a kid and you're going to meet him in April and you're going to have twins. So she thought at the time, the twins thing, well, oh, he probably Googled me. My dad's an identical twin, meaning her dad's an identical twin. And then she's like, well, I don't really date actors. I'm shooting a movie all of March. Like, who the hell am I going to meet? Now, mind you, it was in Vancouver, right? So not that we met there, but it was a possibility. So um, of all, and, uh, of all and, this, Vancouver, you didn't come across each other in your in home. <laughs> it, took, it took Afghanistan, L.A., and Carolina. <laughs> yeah, that's a great irony of the story. <laughs> and, and as it turns out, I was divorced with a kid. So when I told her all this, and she told her friends the story, it was April. I was divorced with a kid. The only part that didn't come true was that, you know, she was going to have twins with her husband. Her friends were like shaking. They were all freaking out. Now, this was unbeknownst to me at the time, but it was told to me afterwards, you know, yeah. um, that that was part of it. On April 17th, that same month, I was in Vancouver. I saw on Instagram, she was at Rodney's, a sort of oyster house. And I sent her a message, but she gets tons of messages. She never replied. Well, that date was April 17th. I took a screenshot of it and I showed it to her like a year into our relationship to prove to her that, you know, I tried to reach out, but she didn't get back to me. Well, we had a daughter this past year. Guess on what date? No, not the... April 17th. No. <laughs> I swear to God. You're making I swear to God. Reevaluate my whole take on the universe and its happenings. <laughs> it's crazy. What? It is absolutely crazy Dave, and uh, you know amazing yeah you've heard my story and it's my side of the story jill has a little bit of color that she adds because obviously her and i never met sylvan and so her interactions with sylvan and all that you know she has uh, a bit of a different uh, not different but just more detail but yeah and that's that's the story of how we came together and now you're on a rocking chair in tennessee on the patio what's going on how did you pick tennessee so she's from like i said winston-salem we were yeah. looking jill um, once you get to know her, realize, you realize that she's a big fan of Gone with the Wind. And she's always, you know, as a little girl, thought of herself as wanting to be Scarlett O'Hara. Well, she finally got her Tara, right? That big plantation home. So I'll turn the camera just for a second so you can kind of see. Oh, you can... beautiful, buddy. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we bought this old historical home on the National Historic Registry. I mean, we are on the Carolina-Tennessee line. There's snow in the mountains as I look out. And it's five hours door to door. We looked in North Carolina, couldn't find anything, looked in South Carolina, Georgia, because she really wanted, she was at a stage of her career where she didn't need to be in Los Angeles. And she was kind of sick of the grind and everything. And so she wanted to be closer to home, closer, excuse me, to her dad. And her dad's his former Marine, loves riding motorcycles. He comes out here, shit, he, he leaves his Indian here, he'll ride in on his Harley. We'll go riding bikes and stuff. I mean, it's, it's a charmed life, TR, I'm not going to lie. It's fantastic. I, I'm glad it's... Uh... Especially, look, um, I do remember now. I didn't know if you'd remember. I, I was like, I, I had a concussion then at the All-Star game in June. I said, I wonder before this. I said, I remember meeting Dave a couple times. Which game was it after? It was at a bar, Randy Petruck. I remember a bunch of us were there now. You, you jog my memory a little bit. And we had a pretty good night. It was up in Prince yeah, George. Yeah, it was a great night. And I do. I knew I'd met you. And I was like, where, where did we? We had beer. I said we couldn't have had beers. It, it would be nowhere. That was it. I knew it was something like that. Yeah, I remember being in the hotel room, and I think Lanks was like passed out. He was so drunk, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got up the next day and put myself in a bag with the tag. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that? I went through the baggage claim. 
Yeah, the boys put in like fifty each. They said you won't make it through the baggage claim, and I did. Oh my I rolled god! Down the thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> went all the way around the thing. Um, but um, it's great because I often like you go through that grind, and put it this way: what I'm saying is that we don't know each other really well, but I feel that we're 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 close. You go through mm-hmm. the same thing. There's a lot of parallels. You wish the best for your buddies. I think of everybody on Tri-City, even the guys I didn't hang out with, you know, they were still my acquaintance, my, my, my buddies. You, you go through this ride together and you never know what's going to happen. I remember looking over at like Mark Hurley one way, my buddy, and Damon Lankow the other way. You don't know. They're, they're both great hockey players from Edmonton and around the same size. Lanks obviously was a bit better, but I'm saying, you're going, where am I going to end up? Where's Mark going to end up? Is he going to be in yeah. college? Is Damon going to end up in the NHL? Is is BJ going to be alive? You know, BJ Young passed away. Um, no, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, I raised his, his kid, actually, Tyson. He's out in, um, he passed away in 2005. Tyson came over here to Newfoundland. And um, I have um, a daughter, Penny Lane. So that's, Penny Lane is Tyson's half-sister. So BJ and I have a lot of, we, 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 we stayed close. He was a bit, he had some um, off-the-ice bad influencers i won't say you know just in in alaska where he was from and and not he's pretty good family and everything i'm just saying bj had some demons that it wasn't all his fault but anyway mm-hmm. so I, we were buddies and i raised his kid but 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 outside of that i mean like you, you you're it, that it's it's the fragility of it all it, I'm, I'm trying to accentuate the, the fragility of all of it and you you have no idea where it's where you're gonna end up so you know our ultimate goal when you're sitting in a dressing room in junior and going you know it's just you're thinking NHL. Can I can I do that? Where am I going to get drafted? And how are my stats going to? But I want to. They've got an empty net goal, and you, it's just so. When you think about it, I'm not going to say insignificant because it's still the vehicle that drives my whole life. I wouldn't be here. I have a unique ride like you. A lot of these, that not not as many total coincidences like that, because those are coincidences that are almost fate like. Yeah. What happened to me wasn't really fate, but a right place, right time. I I just. I was always thinking positively and like running into Jason Momoa to doing stand up to with Jerry D to even having a book published to, you know, all these things just happened that they, they happened. They, they were happenstance that are really interesting. And, and, and then, you know, it, it leads to other things because just there, I never would have met Jill if it wasn't for leaving home to play in tri city, you know, it's, it all right. in, interconnects. So my point is look at where you are now. <laughs> and does it really matter? You never played a game for Florida, really? No, not <laughs> no, not now, not at all. You've had an absolute great life. I'm proud of you, and I'm glad. I'm really glad it worked out. My next question, I I got to take off. We've been on forever, and I got to go get my daughter from school. Um, what, do you get back to Canada much? I mean, outside of COVID, only you know I do probably about once or twice a year now because of Jill and Hallmark. I mean, isn't that something else? I'm in Vancouver more often because of my wife's work than probably combined the last 10 years before I knew her. And you're in Tennessee <laughs> and, and your wife. Because they, they treat us really well. They treat us like gold. They tr- fly both of us out there. That's, yeah. Yeah, she works fantastic. in Vancouver, right? Of all places. All, she's done, I think, over a dozen movies. 90% of them have been shot in Vancouver. Yeah, no, And no, so no, I go with her. It's a hot spot. Um, mm-hmm. Well, who knows? We, we got... so. Frontier was, you know, a movement kind of here happened with a show named Republic of Doyle years ago in Canada, and it kind of took off. And now we have a couple of shows here now. Hudson and Rex is one. The Surrealtor uh, is another. Uh, me- meaning, 
Vancouver's a hot spot, and and for, yeah, they a lot of uh, films, a lot of producers like to work in in Canada for for lots of reasons, for monetary, for for uh, scenery. There's lots of reasons, but you know we're we're up and coming, so who knows? She might make it back if that ever happens. I'd love. Outside of that, yeah, I'm saying it. You're there. I'm not just throwing it out there. Newfoundland's a great spot to visit. I don't know if you got here. I love St. John's. Uh, there you go. Um, so love to see at some point. I, I hope our paths cross and I hope it's not the last time we speak. Uh, you've had an interesting, unique life to say the least. And I feel like there's more we could talk about. So maybe, um, maybe we could have you back on again, but regardless, stay in touch. Yeah. Anytime TR, it was great to, uh, you know, to talk to you, to, to share this, uh, journey with you. And, and, um, you know, if you're in East Tennessee, you've got an open invitation here too. And, Maybe we can convince Jason to do a brave in part two. Maybe so. That wouldn't be bad. And you know what? Knowing your luck <laughs> and nature, that just might happen. Yeah. <laughs> you just never know. I'd say stay in touch, but I'll probably run into you in Afghanistan regardless. <laughs> okay. Indeed. Okay. See you, my friend. All right, buddy. Thank all you. Right, great talking to you. Great Thanks. talking to you after all these years. Peace. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, there it is, David Lomanowitz. Um, great guest. I, I really, I, it's it's an odd feeling. Some guests you have on, and uh, with Andrew Peters was the same way. I feel like we've known each other forever, uh, and I do remember now. I don't know if David remember. You know, it's foggy. The day before the All Star Game in 1996, he's talking. I had a bad concussion. If you, if you go online, it's Terry Ryan uh, gets hit. Damon Lankow, Byron Brisky respond. It's on YouTube, but that's the cross check in the head. I was out for four hours. I played the next night in Prince George. I got on a plane. So my memory was foggy to say the least. I, I don't remember a lot about that, but I, 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 rem I don't remember a lot about the game even, but I know we went out after and, you know, a lot of guys you don't know. So they last like it's you're playing against them and they all seem like your biggest enemies. And then all of a sudden you're all there together and it's almost a relief. And like I said, if there was enemies that we had, if you want to classify it, vicious opponents, it was Spokane Chiefs just from the nature of we were always close in the standings and um, how <clears throat> ge ge the geography of it all, we were close. But I do remember now, yeah, we had a great night and actually the, the Randy Petrock he spoke of was a goalie for Kamloops. I ended up giving Randy my, uh, my fake ID, which said I was from South Dakota. Um, and yeah, I, I, the guys bet me or they, uh, I can't remember why I, I really can't. I think they all threw in like 20 or 30, 50 bucks. Maybe I wasn't signed yet. I was drafted to the Canadians, but I wasn't signed. So I can see if I, I would have done it for money, but I just got on the baggage cart thing and I put a tag around my ear and then I, I just went along and whatever you call that but i went like back through the wickets and then i went down over the thing <laughs> anyway i remember even in the midst of a concussion trying to trying to get the boys going it was a great time <clears throat> um but yeah i remember dave from that but literally haven't seen him or spoke to him since and uh i was on jason parole and uh check that out too that podcast up your hockey up my hockey up your hockey jesus I was on his show last week and we were speaking of it. Um, so thanks to Dave and check it out. His story, 
I'm really choppy. I'm rambling. I'm, I'm getting back into this, but there's been much smoother interviews. So if you want to Google uh, David Lomanowicz and Jill Wagner, I believe their story is published online more than once. So yeah, this was a little bit choppy. I'm, I'm glad I'm back. Thanks for listening. If you still are, it seemed like this podcast has gone on for four hours. Uh, but I will. I'm going to do one a week now. You can hold me to that. Uh, DraftKings got on board, and I'm uh, so thanks to them. I'm pretty pumped about that because I support DraftKings. You never know who your sponsors are going to be, and you're just like hoping it's like not some, I don't know, Johnny's investor group or. Uh, I don't know, some shitty sausage company. But point being, uh, there can be a disconnect. I'll do it, but there can be a disconnect if you don't really support the product. But uh, I totally support DraftKings, so thanks to that. Uh, I didn't really talk about this week in the NHL much at all. Uh, I was pretty excited to talk to Dave. I'm going to get more of a consistent program whereby uh, in the future, whereby... You know, maybe I'll go talk about recent sports for, for 15 minutes. The NHL, my guest, and maybe move on. But today I just wanted to get this out there. And um, uh, it was more about getting the ball rolling again than anything and having a guest on. And when Dave messaged me on Instagram the other day, I said, well, what better way? I want to know about his story. I was going to call him and we were going to chat. And I said, well, why don't we just do it? On, uh, on my podcast and let the whole world listen. Um, so, yeah, there's that. As far as the NHL, uh, I got some questions here, so I'm just going to read off a few, and I'm going to do these as quick as I can, and I guess I will end uh, some segments like this because I always get some... Well, they're not all people writing me either. There's people I run into on the street or people in the bar or whatever it might be. So this one comes, I was in TJ's last week and a gentleman came in named Keith from central Newfoundland and Keith wants to know why I still think that Wayne Gretzky is better than Connor McDavid for lack of a better way to put it. Well, there's a lot of reasons. <clears throat> Keith, I appreciate your question. And that you were interested. This gent was right into hockey. He was real interested, seemed like a jovial guy. And I told him, I remember I took a sip of my beer and said, okay, like, don't get me going. I need to process this and I'm going to talk about it on my podcast. So here it is. First of all, Connor McDavid, I know where you were going with the question. Wayne Gretzky has what, four Stanley Cups? His numbers are better. Uh, from Canada Cups, uh, Olympics, whatever it might be. Actually, that might be one that Gretz didn't get was the Olympics. Look into that in 98 in Nagano. Um, but anyway, bad decision by Mark Crawford. I believe not to put him in as, as one of the five shooters. But in, in any case, I'm rambling again. Uh, I think what you were getting at was, because I was talking about the points that Wayne Gretzky scored. So he said, well, it's not Connor McDavid's fault that the goalies were shittier. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't even put McDavid, I wouldn't even guarantee that he's the best now. 
I don't know what you got to go by. Right. So the first thing I was going to say is that I don't think I don't even know if he's the best now. I mean, he seems it. I really feel bad that Edmonton don't have a team around him. But, you know, he's got Drysdale there. There are nurses. They, like there, There's players. They're NHLers. They're filled in like Yamamoto scored a couple the other day. They're capable. I've seen Crosby and Malkin have have less. Right. Uh, and go on and win. And what I'm saying is that they, they got to do a little bit better. Um. Not only to be compared to, to Gretzky, but just in my mind, to prove that he's the best player in the game. You can't keep saying, in what other sport do you keep saying this guy's the best and they don't make the playoffs? I can't think of any, you know, would you say the best quarterback for like four years running didn't even make the playoffs? I think the boys made it one year, didn't they? And they got swept or something. Like Edmonton are perennially a bad team. So I don't even know if he's the best now. He looks like it when he's skating with the puck and everything, but a whole lot goes into it. Like Tom Brady, a whole lot goes into decision-making. That it's, it's tough to see that stat. Well, whatever it is about Crosby and Malkin or Kane and Taves or Ovechkin and Kuznetsov or whoever. Now, I know there's much more of a supporting cast for those guys I mentioned, but still, they, Edmonton should be getting into the playoffs Um, so, but they are so very bad that it's hard to judge them just on that. But you know, if, if whoever, like I said, it's relative terms, show me someone that wins it as much Gretzky, uh, or Lemieux won the scoring like 15 years straight. It was one of those guys. What does he have Gretzky? Like 10 scoring title. That's probably low. Probably got more than that. I mean, I'd Google it, but there's no need. Heart trophies. So if you're constantly the best among your peers, I don't care if you get 800 points. I don't care if, if, if you get 80 points and everybody else has 40. It's not about points accumulated overall. Now, that might have helped Gretzky, helped Gretzky a bit. But if you went back and gave all those goalies bigger pads, if you made the net smaller, if you put the, took the red line out or, or whatever you were going to do, to try to make it even. Okay, so his points come down. But there, Gretzky, if all the goalies have bigger pads, okay, so he wouldn't have got 215 points. He would have got 180. But that means that the next guy would have gotten, you know, wouldn't have gotten a, whatever he got. I'm rambling now. But what I'm saying is that it's just domination in relative to the other people around you. I keep saying that. That's really the end of the argument. It's the what Babe Ruth was getting 60 home runs. Number two, 14. So to me, that's a whole lot more impressive than Barry Bonds in a steroid era hitting at 76 or whatever it was. Sammy Sosa, 60 odd and McGuire, you know, they're, they're big numbers. Steroids are not, you got to hit it out of the park. Yes. But you know, all kinds of people were getting 30, 40, 50. Ruth was getting 60 when the next guy was getting 14. Relative dominance, Gretzky's numbers are like that. Not even Jordan's numbers are like that, or Tiger Woods. Gretzky might have the craziest numbers. Gretzky's the all-time leading scorer. If he didn't have one goal, just on his assists, he would still be the all-time leading scorer. But that's points accumulated. I could see how that would be hard to get to. But you'd still be the best of all time. Show me 15 scoring titles. Do it. There. It could be 1,000 points total. As long as 
it's relative dominance in my mind. Okay. The next question, this one got uh, emailed to me. Uh, and this one comes from Merle. Thank you, Merle, for buying four books. I have four people. Um, I, I never knew. This. The only Merle I know is Merle Haggard. And within two weeks, I had four Merles uh, order books off me. But anyway, I appreciate it. So um, Merle ordered four books, a couple of pictures, a couple of hockey cards. And I really appreciate that. And he wanted to know what my favorite part about playing in Tri-City was, because one of the cards that I gave him was a Tri-City Americans card. No, you can't get those anymore. Those were team issued. And um, Tri-City, Merle, uh, is not in Ohio. It's in Washington State. So if you look at where I played junior, it was in the WHL, right? Western Hockey League. So it's all from uh, Manitoba is Brandon. Then you got Saskatchewan, Alberta, BC, Washington State, and you got all those. So it, it, uh, a Google search will make this a whole lot easier, but that's where I played. It was in Washington State. So what my favorite part about it, um, outside of the hockey, was probably that the grunge movement was happening. So I got to drive over and see Nirvana and Pearl, Garden, Pearl, uh, Pearl Jam, sorry, Soundgarden, <laughs> Alice in Chains, um, there was a lot, and a lot of other bands. Mazzy Star, I saw up there. Um, Stone Temple Pilots. God. Um, 1970. Oh, Smashing Pumpkins weren't from there, but they played there frequently. So me being into music, everybody would probably know my favorite hockey parts at this point. A lot of people don't realize the music was happening. So I'll say that uh, to make it easy. This, <clears throat> sorry, um, and the last question comes from Rachel in Tennessee. Oh, maybe she knows Dave. Uh, Rachel wants to know what my favorite movie is. Um, that's I, 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 that's a big question, and I wouldn't know where to start for today. I just watched the Deadwood movie. That's probably my favorite TV series or one of them. Uh, uh, but that's not the question you asked. Oh, okay. Let me name you just a few that I like. Uh, okay. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, I love the way that makes you think. Uh, I love... Oh, God. Inception for the same reason. Uh, I like some Westerns, the good, the bad, and the ugly fistful of dollars, a few dollars more Sergio Leone trilogy, uh, there with Clint Eastwood. Those are up there. Um, and to extend Clint Eastwood, the unforgiven early nineties. <sighs> yeah. I love that Western It's one of my favorites, if not my favorite, uh, the dark Knight, one of my favorites, a beautiful mind. Rudy, I know, bring on the cheese, but it's it still is one of my favorites. Give you a couple more. Um, the Sting and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Those are classic. Those are great. Groundhog Day, Tombstone. There, that's that's. 
Favorite is so subjective and it's really hard. You almost got to hit me at the right time of day and that, that answer changes. But, you know, there, there's some favorites of mine. Generally, I watch a lot of movies and um, I like the ones that make you think. A lot of people didn't like Vanilla Sky. I like that too. Um, anyway, there you have it. I wish I had more time. I, I should have given that I, uh, more time. That, that question was sent five days ago. So I did. I just didn't think about it. Anyway, I hope that helps you out, Rachel. Beyond that, I'm about done. So I'll be back now once a week, hopefully. I really appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, sticking with it. And I know I've been inconsistent, but I'll, uh, I'll be back. I'd like to thank once again Wedgwood Cafe. Uh, check it out if you're in town. Penny Posh. Women's Wear Reimagined. Check it out. If you're going to dine downtown St. John's, why not come in too? Green Sleeves, uh, TJ's Pub. Come down for a chat and a beer. Uh, Merchant Tavern. Love to see you. DraftKings, thanks again. Okay, everybody. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Peace out.